0: What is up, y'all? Welcome to the American Peloton. I am Jonathan Crane. I am a mediocre Cat 2 cyclist out of Birmingham, Alabama.
1: And I am Ben, a former elite mountain biker, head coach at Skyway Cycling, and team director at Skyway, presented by Domestic Coffee. Huge week.
0: Yeah, we got (laughs) so much stuff this week. So we were at Speed Week, and this... I'll go ahead and just set it up up top. This is going to be the Speed Week episode, all other things that happened this week, which... There was also a bunch of other stuff this week is going to kind of take a back seat because you and I or other members of our team were at all of Speed Week here and there, you know, so we, we got a lot of firsthand stuff to go over.
1: Yeah, it was fun. I mean, what is it? Eight races in nine days, seven races in nine days, something like that. It's hard to beat like that amount of crit racing, a lot of drama happening, as you would expect. Yeah we got the showdowns we were hoping for with a lot of the big teams so just i mean in my opinion one of the best speed weeks we've gotten in a really long time
0: yeah there was a lot of uh, a lot of energy around it for sure you said the showdowns you know there were some showdowns i was hoping for that we didn't get we still only we didn't see a full legion squad we saw like a little bit more of a legion squad than we've seen We didn't see the other, the Legion-Miami squad and the uh, Legion-Aviators-Austin squad. Didn't see either of them out in force. But then we did see, you know, Texas Roadhouse was there for the first weekend. Uh, ButcherBox was out in force, which was like not one I was fully expecting.
1: Yeah. We saw Automatic. Uh, I mean, Miami Knights were there. Full squad. Like They were really strong. Full American Cycling um yeah. which
0: ace ACG. One, yeah
1: which was one of the better teams like yeah so we got crazy showdowns but not like really wanting to see like a little bit more with the legion squads i say squads being austin miami los angeles yeah didn't really see that but we saw some really good showdowns and racing aside from that
0: yeah there are so many so many good teams this year so many like You know, teams that are, I think, paying their riders decently and like racing full Mm -hmm. calendars and racing at a really high level, that even without like all of the teams we just mentioned, like, oh, we were hoping to see them, there was still like such competitive racing. We didn't see Project Echelon out in force. Um, so first, first thing, and I guess, first thing, biggest thing, thing we've talked about the most. Athens Twilight back on the the classic course not as hilly of a course this year um insanely large crowd like yeah, I've, right. I think I've been to 4 or 5 Athens and this was like maybe the biggest of all of the ones I've been to crowd wise
1: Yeah I think the last one I'd been to was 2018 and this was definitely way bigger I mean like uh, yeah this is one of the bigger ones I think having it on the classic course helped i think people almost have like muscle memory to go to georgia theater um so yeah huge i mean the biggest race i've seen in a long long
0: time and in the the uh amateur fields were all like close to if not at the field limit we had like a hundred guys in in our races which was more like it's been like 60 or 70 the other years i've done it so like big fields but this year we were actually maxing out um
1: and we had like international squads in the two three.
0: Like, yeah, there yeah, were teams Colombian from Canada, squad, a Canadian Colombian squad. team.
1: I think we had some belt like weird like Belgian team in there. Like it was so bizarre uh, that it was weird to have like international talent in a two three. But that's the kind of talent that Athens draws.
0: Yeah, um, we've talked up Speedweek and Athens a lot. It seems like people are listening. Also, I got to say shout out. A ton of people came up at uh, Speedweek throughout the week and said they listen to this show watch this show and yeah met met a bunch of cool people this week I w- I was gonna like shout you all out individually but literally there were too many to do that too so if you talk to us what's up thank you appreciate it
1: yeah for sure I don't even remember and I talked to way less people than you did so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's crazy we
0: uh we had some really good racing at Athens though I kind of I don't say want to say I was worried but like I didn't think it would be quite as dynamic since we're back to the classic course, which is more of a straight up four corner, you know, a normal crit course. I thought there was more chance of like the classic thing of some one and two man breakaways go, they sit up there for a few laps, they get pulled back, uh ends in a field sprint, and that is not what happened at Athens at all. We had Not even uh, close. Not even close. 40 something minutes in around the halfway point we had a big move go up the road with um most of the teams represented uh two two guys from uh acg uh one from miami uh brock mason in there again brock was one that you know we've been talking him up and we were watching this breakaway go and i was like ben we're gonna look so smart because we keep talking about brock and he keeps getting in every breakaway (laughs)
1: yeah he was riding so well um yeah it was a little bit of a bummer um apparently there was a free lap issue and he got penalized a lap so he ended up being scored as with the field but yeah his i mean
0: so strong his seat post was slipping apparently and they they didn't give him the free he went in and took a free lap and they disputed something about the timing of his free lap but regardless he was in a lot of breaks
1: from what I heard from uh, Matt Guevara at LaGrange the following day was he got caught. Something around that crash caused his seat post to slip, and he didn't notice for like two laps, went to go in and fix it. But because he didn't fix it on the same lap that it like the incident occurred, they didn't want to give him the lap. They were being really strict with free laps at Athens, I will say. Because even someone on our team who was caught behind a crash went to go take a lap, and they were like, "Yeah, you can't take a lap. You didn't crash," and we're like, "That's not the rule." So yeah, they were they were oddly strict at Athens for free laps this year.
0: Yeah, I think with field sizes like that, you got to kind of clamp down. But so I I think maybe the most interesting, like tactical thing of the week happened. Uh, We just watched it. We're we're watching some of the Athens footage go across, if you're watching with us on the YouTube right here, but we just saw it happen where a break got away without anyone from automatic automatic went to the front of the field and they pulled the field just close enough that two of their riders, including Thomas Gibbons, could jump across. As soon as they jumped across, they shut it back down again and let that gap go back out. So rather than pull it together and then have like a full reshuffle, they kind of just sent two guys across, which was a, a huge tactical play. From them, it was good to see them like right off the bat, kind of firing on all cylinders. And we didn't that that had set me up to be like, oh, they're gonna be like the scrappy hit squad of the week, and they really didn't reach those heights again. But it was, you know, Athens is the biggest stage, so if you are gonna like play your cards somewhere, I think that's the place to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, they they played a beautiful race. Um, just they did it, and then there was also weird like tug-of-war in the group because there were teams that wanted that break to lap up teams that wanted it to stay out and so the field never got one consistent speed going there's a bit of tug of war like the the gap would go in and then go out and it made it really fun because we didn't know what was going to end up happening until like until they ended up making contact with like 10 minutes to go maybe
0: yeah so that group did end up lapping up the a big breakaway lapped up and then they they sprinted from from that breakaway. And uh
1: well, I will say, Fergus Arthur was in that break on Texas Roadhouse. He ends up once they get end up getting caught, he goes and sends another flyer. <laughs> so he was yeah. like not trying to sprint that, and ended up getting caught maybe with like five to go. Like it looked like he might it looked like he might stay out there. Got caught at five to go. Then um, they ended up doing the bunch sprint from the group, but. It was really fun to watch. I mean, we were there. People were people were talking, hanging out. Um, it was just really fun race to watch.
0: Yeah, Athens was, was a really good one. I was looking for the results. I want to get the results in front of me so that I'm uh, not speaking out of school when I start running it down. Uh, I will also go ahead and set the expectation that because I was racing the two threes, I missed a lot of the women's racing because the women's race would start as I was kind of like, trying to get some food down or go to the hotel and change or, you know, just like laying on my back in a parking lot or whatever. And then I come back and just kind of catch the sprint of the women's race. Uh, with that in mind, I, I think the, uh, the Legion train got a lot of those sprints throughout the week. So uh, unsurprising yeah. there, but yeah, I don't have as much in depth. I, I didn't get as much firsthand experience with the women's race. Cause I would walk up on a race that was, in progress and i I, you know didn't didn't see it all unfold as much
1: yeah the women's race is really fun to watch um legion legion's women squad was there pretty much almost a full squad then we had denver disruptors and miami knights both with full squads all of those three squads are really on the same level so it was really fun racing to watch they were really battling for position and making it just a really fun dynamic race um alexis ryan who's somewhat of an Athens native or resident, uh, pretty much a hometown hometown figure there, ended up taking the win for Legion. Second place, Andrea Sear from Miami Knights. And third place, Erica Zaveda from Denver Disruptors uh, on the women's squad. So that's the women's podium. Just, again, fun racing. I think having a, an Athens native win just elevated those crowds even more, like a home team kind of thing,
0: you know. And who... What was the men's podium? Do you have that in front of you? Yeah.
1: So the men's podium looking like, all right, Brian Gomez from Miami Knights taking the win. Danny Summerhill from American Cycling Group, which Danny Summerhill, former winner of this race, crit, legend, OG. Uh, and then Robin Carpenter of Legion of Los Angeles rolling in third place there. Um, former human-powered health rider, more of a stage race kind of guy. So it was kind of cool to see him you know, mix it up in a crit and get a result there.
0: Yeah, Carpenter was looking good throughout the week. I guess we're not gonna go yep. like chronologically through the full week, but I wanna just kind of like mention the highlights that stuck out to me since you know, there were eight races, so I'm just gonna like talk about what what was interesting. But the next day at Lagrange, um, Fergus, who was looking real strong at Athens, uh he you were watching it. At what point did he go solo? He he had a long oh, solo break, right?
1: It was, yeah, it was like 20 minutes in. It was so early. Um, he he ripped it. And I don't know, like, if some of the teams knew Texas Roadhouse wasn't going to do the full week and just kind of went, oh, it's fine. Or if they, like, actually couldn't catch him. Because um, he was ripping super fast. Stayed out for 40 minutes. Like, that's a crazy effort.
0: That is a course that in my mind, for those of you that don't know, it's got a really technical, it's like a downhill into a little right left chicane that the right left makes that left hand corner more than 90 degrees. And it's like yep. in, in that more than 90 degree corner, you go from downhill to uphill and yeah, you can probably take that faster than anyone else. If you're, if you're by yourself and you can like consistently hold speed through there. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: because they were braking pretty hard. Like we were standing on that corner, and you could just hear brakes squealing, tires sliding, because they were locking up wheels. So, right. if you're if you're solo, I mean, you can probably take that a good three, four miles an hour faster than the group can.
0: Yeah, not to take anything away from his effort, but it was just a course that like uh lent itself to that type of uh being solo rather even than like a a breakaway where you're rolling turns. There really wasn't anywhere. On that course to like roll consistent turns and and get a good draft because it was all kind of uphill or downhill, so it was yeah sort of just intervals of like you're going up, you got to go hard. You're going down, you got to rest and then hit the corner well, and you just do it all over again. So yeah.
1: and even on the downhill, you couldn't rest much because that was the only place to move up really. Because right. I mean, we like you would go pretty much full gas because this coming through the start area is like two percent so like you're not getting much draft anyways right so that downhill i mean there was pretty much no rest unless you were comfortable losing wheels on that downhill
0: right that's what i'm saying is like the the group doesn't have a big advantage like no there's never a point in the group where you can kind of like get a big uh get a big draft and like sit in the wheels comfortably it was yeah all pretty uncomfortable on that whole course so a good one for a solo yeah. flyer and that put him in the overall lead after that day, but then he was not doing the rest of the week, so I think when he left, that put Carpenter into the lead, going into the third day, right?
1: Yeah, that that's correct. Um, I know they tried, like once they realized Fergus was in the lead, and he had a pretty big lead after Athens and then this race, I think they tried, because they kind of put out a thing like, hey, we want to defend this lead, but we just can't make it work with family and work and stuff, so they at least like tried in post to make it work, but yeah, Robin Carpenter was second after Lagrange, inherited the lead there going into Union City on day three.
0: Texas, that makes sense. Like Texas Roadhouse is a little bit more of a of a jobber team. Like most of those guys have other jobs and stuff, and they're yeah. well supported, but they're not um they're not a huge team. So then we had a day off, and then we had uh Union City. Was it Union City, Peachtree City? I'm, it's like scrambled in my mind. Yeah,
1: Union City was on that Tuesday. That's the triangle course.
0: Yes, that's the Dorito. Yep. So U- Union City the next day, I think the thing that stuck out to me, a few things, like storyline-wise for the overall week, is Brock Mason again, super active. And then uh, this was the first one where Jeremiah Stoller kind of showed himself, which... I think we were talking yep. about this, like the overarching storylines of the week and Jeremiah Stoller from Nashville Local, this was kind of his coming out party the way that it was last year for uh, for Brock Mason. Like yeah. that was a, both of these like local guys that I knew about from racing in the Southeast before this. Uh, Jeremiah's in my video from one of the Music City Crits last year. I think he got like, Fifth, and I was like seventh or eighth, something like that. So you know, a, a guy that I've raced with, seen around, but he's just like on a completely different level this year and had crazy results all of Speed Week. But that was, um, that was his first, first big one was uh yeah. the the Dorito course, the Union City.
1: Yeah, I remember he was low key enough to where even like Alabama guys, regional guys, when he showed up to Sumatonga this year, people didn't know who he was. They're like, "Who's this guy on Nashville Local?" And then people who knew him were like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all are kind of screwed." Uh, and then yeah, he, he, he won, but uh, yeah, he's he's pretty low key going into this.
0: Yeah, definitely a guy who like was not on everyone's radar, but everyone learned the name by the end of the week. Um, yep, yeah. he he got at least one win throughout the week with going. I believe it was uh, Union City where he went for the gambler preem, a thing that you never see happen. There was a gambler preem which is a preem with two to go. So, he went for the gambler preem, got and it's normally a lot of money and the gamble is you're spending all your tickets right before the finish. He went for the gambler preem. The other guys in the breakaway kind of looked at each other and he just pinned it and pinned it and took it to the line. Yep. So, yep. Th- that was the the interesting thing from that one, and then Peachtree City was the next day, and this one was super technical. Um, yeah, but technical in like a different way than a crit normally is. It was a really long lap, um, long straightaways, and then kind of like a uh, they were calling it like a dumbbell shape. So c- corners on either end, um, one downhill, one eighty. Off camber turn kind of thing that made it just brutal because you're going down a hill 180 straight back up a hill. So I think everybody knew this was going to be a selective course, and this was one where it, it broke into. At a certain point, there was like not really even a peloton anymore.
1: Yeah, it, it was really kermes style, like not really a peloton. Groups all over the road. Um, there was like the group had like ten or fifteen people left like that was like the group and they had like 90 plus starters so super selective um there's a break up the road that ended up getting shattered like it was
0: yeah so So it blew apart pretty early and there was a group of like six and then a group of like four or five chasing interestingly i watched it back and like the two winners were actually not in the initial move that went up the road. They were in that group of four that bridged up. And that was, um, Ty Magner and, uh, Evan McQuirk from, from butcher box. This is another like overarching story of the week is that I think both of us, I think we had said it on this show that we were like, who, who does butcher box even have anymore? Like, yeah. They got Corey Lockwood last year. I guess he's still on, but, like, they don't have Spencer Movenzada anymore. They don't have Connor Saley anymore. Like, we were just kind of running down the names that they have had yeah. in, in past years and, and built their team around, and they don't have a lot of those guys anymore. So, turns out, they do have some people. They have some firepower. And, <laughs> they have
1: a lot of it, too.
0: Yeah, they kind of put it down this year. They had a lot mm-hmm. of guys we didn't even know about. Um... Who, who are putting down results evan mcquirk was one that when we were having that discussion uh at athens rob from our team was like oh evan evan is good that's like someone he he knew about already so kind of put the bug in my yeah. ear and then he he pulled out a big result uh here at peachtree city
1: yeah i mean he was super strong um rob on our team his wife's a pro so he kind of like gets a little bit of insider knowledge on things a little bit of time sometimes and like some of these guys like evan mccork who are like on the come up he's he's known for a while and he's like yeah that guy's really really good and we were kind of like i recognized the name when we were looking at the butcher box roster but i didn't know much about him and definitely definitely know about him now um yeah he had a one heck of a ride
0: the other other one of those guys that I I didn't know at all was uh, Dustin Kalaba, a guy from he's like Eastern European and this is his first year racing in the U.S. So a little bit of a like unknown quantity, kind of a ringer. But he, uh, it, so Butcherbox. We were just looking. Butcherbox had the most guys in the top ten of any men's team. Yeah. So four four in the top ten for the overall for the week. So really consistent. And uh, you know, kind of surprising, honestly. Yeah. Given given the level of competition. Now, uh, I guess we're gonna have to get into now like the the controversy. I right? We're going to yeah. talk <laughs> in going Spartanburg. to Spartanburg.
1: Well, we wanna say that Brendan Rim ended up winning at Peachtree Corners as well. Um, yes. in a solo move. That was a big that was a big ride from him. American cycling, I said like being one of the stronger teams of the whole the whole week um with between brendan rim danny summerhill um yeah and michael hernandez but like just a strong ride brendan's been like in belgium for a while uh racing came back to america so th- i think the Kermesse style course really suited him and he was able to capitalize on it
0: and this was our first real look at american cycling uh yeah like all together as a team kind of racing on the national stage and i think what they proved and kind of like the a a big takeaway like on the macro level from the whole of speed week is that there are a lot of teams that can hang now and you can say like, we're not seeing Legion at full power. uh, But I I don't think this is going to be like past years where we've seen kind of like Legion, a full step above other teams. And then there's kind of this like second rung kind of fighting for scraps level. I think it's going to be more, I mean, Legion we'll see when, when we finally do get a look, I think Tulsa from what I've heard, Tulsa is going to be their first, like all in full, full bore race, but that tracks.
1: Yeah. But Yeah. I mean, that's something we were talking about before the season even started in our Mm -hmm. preseason episode was all of these teams that were kind of like knocking on the door a little bit, like starting to get there are going to be there this year. Yeah. We're going to have these teams that are not conceding to Legion. They're able to compete there. All of, these little things. Um, and that's what we're starting. That's what we're seeing. These teams are finally able to compete on that level.
0: And Legion Legion was like a cut above in the past. And I just, yeah. I don't think they're going to be, you know, fully head and shoulders above the way that they have been. Yeah. Uh, in, in other years. For sure. So speaking of which uh, moving to Spartanburg, I guess this is another Legion thing to mention is that Legion, uh, I guess after the first weekend, so they only had Robin Carpenter and Ty Magner out there for, um, for Athens and LaGrange after those two. And I'm not sure if this is because Robin was doing well or if this is the plan all along, but Robin was doing well in the overall and then they flew a couple more guys in. So yeah, on that Tuesday after the rest day uh Justin Williams showed up and Gavin Hoover showed up which if you don't know Gavin Hoover um track rider he was on the um the track league that was on GCN that's like it's kind of the like NCL of track you know it's like the yeah. watchable um very like highly produced product of of track racing uh Track Champions League he was in the Track Champions yeah. League. There um, we go.
1: I was drawing f- a blank. Yeah. I'm glad you remember.
0: There's t- too many three-letter acronyms. There's, you know, ACG, NCL, NLC. In, in there's, there's too many of them. Out so of fourth-letter people, come on. Yeah. Do something Or just different. say the whole thing every time. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, Track Champions League, though. So a crazy strong rider who was... Uh, an interesting addition to like fly in both him and Justin. My thought with Justin was like, maybe he's coming in. He's clearly not super fit right now. And I think he was maybe like, I'll come in for those midweek races and kind of like m- race my way into fitness a little bit. But then bringing Hoover in seemed to me like maybe they're trying to defend a uh, carpenter and going into so Athens, the kind of two pillars of Speed Week are Athens and Spartanburg, at least as the schedule has been recently. Um, so yep. coming into Spartanburg, we saw Legion doing a little bit more of, of a Legion. Uh, toward the end of the race, they're, they're set up doing a full lead out with Justin on the back. So I'm not sure if Justin was going to sprint or if Justin was going to sweep. But American Cycling challenging them from both sides, a uh, pretty nasty crash from uh ty in the last corner so who was that on american cycling that came up came up the inside on him yeah so that was um last name's para on
1: american cycling um came up on the inside there and just sort of bumped ty uh didn't bump him but i mean they made contact and caused Ty to go down there's been a lot of drama about this crash
0: um yeah. A lot of people have had a lot of things to say about it for sure. I feel like we got to litigate the crash at least a little bit and Yeah. So what I'm going to say on the crash is like uh I understand that I I guess okay, what what I should start with is immediately after the crash uh Justin and Cory both had some some posts about how it was uh unacceptable and too aggressive um and how they were going to pursue maybe action with USA Cycling. And while I do agree that, like, he caused the crash, I'm just not sure. I, I don't think any rule was broken. I've been looking for a rule that was broken. And maybe that makes an argument of, like, there should be a rule against chopping someone and just putting flicking your rear wheel into their front wheel. To be really clear, what happens is american cycling rider comes up the inside on ty ty magner is on the front for legion kind of uh dives the inside of the corner gets in front of ty before they enter the corner and then as they lean into the corner uh to begin cornering ty's front wheel contacts the acg rider's back wheel which you know if you've ever touched wheels with somebody your front wheel hits their back wheel that pretty much takes you out so yeah so, I mean, watching it like that's
1: this is the whole thing is that technically there wasn't a rule broken. Like it was super aggressive, um, and I'm I was looking at it. I've you and I have both watched this crash probably a hundred times apiece, and one thing that I kept noticing that I kept that I kept looking at, and it's very subtle, is there's like a as Paris coming up, there's almost a glance over from Ty. Um, it's very subtle, and I don't know if that was like him looking, starting to look through the corner, or if it's him looking left and saying, "Okay, I'm gonna start going now." So he taps his brakes, and I can still win the corner. Um, and I think, like, if uh, if the latter, there is his thought process. Eighty out of a hundred guys in the field, he's right that eighty of those guys are gonna. Tap their brakes and let him win the corner, but none of the guys on American Cycling are those guys, and so I think I, I just think he maybe miscalculated there. And but either way, it was too aggressive on uh, Para
0: to to actually try and sprint and win that corner. Yeah, but, the more I watch it back, I do think what happened there is that Para had won the corner, like uh, and unequivocally, his bars were in front of Ty's bars. I you know just the way the crash happened. There's no way Para's not in front. We, we only have a yeah. straight on shot to look at, and it's kind of hard to tell looking straight on who's in front of who until they make contact, and then you can tell who's in front. Yeah, but I do think that what happened is that uh, Ty is not really looking in his peripheral vision, and he doesn't see um he doesn't see Para until it's too late, and it really was just a racing incident like Para was in the right in that he did win to the corner. So he didn't necessarily need to break, but also Ty had sort of already set up his corner. This is just the kind of like unfortunate racing incident. Like I do think Ty is probably owed an apology. Yep. But as the rules are written now, I I don't see any action that could actually be taken. Um, Yeah.
1: I mean, I think we both agree that there should be some sort of, rule in place if you're riding too aggressively and are causing a crash. You should there should yeah. be some sort of like relegation there. But as the rules stand now, and like we could be wrong and if so, like please like send us that rule because we're missing it. But there's just not there's not a rule against aggressive riding like that. Um there's just not.
0: And to be clear, everybody don't do this. Like yeah, yeah, don't, don't don't get out there in my race and do this and like I'm I'm not trying to say it's right or anything but but also there's just uh, I'm not sure what uh what we could do about it the the more I watch it back I do think that uh Ty Legion has been in the closing laps riding the front for so long like this kind of unchallenged it doesn't look like Ty has much like thought to his peripheral vision yep and so the that last couple of moments before the corner I don't know if he doesn't hear him, but he certainly doesn't see him. It's like he, he just doesn't clock that that there's someone there as he's starting to set up his turn, which, I mean, nine more than nine times out of ten in the last several years, if if Ty is riding the front and anyone tries to come around, A, they're going fast enough that no one can even get there, and B, there's a significant Legion train behind him that is, you know cutting those people off. I-, I will say running it back a little bit, you do see Summerhill. I initially thought this was Summerhill, but Summerhill tries to come up the outside before yeah. before this and gets the door shut on him by Justin. And it, I do wonder, like, if, if Summerhill had gotten up the outside and just been able to go alongside him, you know, it's more dangerous to go on the inside of someone, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah than the outside but if the outside is continually being shut on you I don't know it seems like ACG their plan was like we're gonna look for any any possible open door to make our move and
1: yeah I mean this is the thing we're gonna see like both these team like they're all getting a paycheck to ride so there's gonna be that willingness to take that risk by going on the inside Um, and it's just yeah it's an unfortunate racing incident and like Yeah, it's just what it was.
0: Yeah, I think Legion's response was like a little bit beyond the pale in terms of like, oh, this is so disrespectful or whatever. But it was too. It was it was a bad racing incident. Yeah, there he goes up the right side. Yeah, I I don't think it's it's something that's like unsolvable the way the way it stands right now. There's there's not a good answer. It's something that it happened. It sucks that it happened. And so Ty went down and Robin Carpenter went down behind him I think. Yep. I don't think Robin
1: raced anymore after that or if he did. Robin's got a broken wrist, a broken collarbone and a couple mm-hmm. broken ribs.
0: Oh man. And so it-
1: yeah, it's it's pretty bad. He posted like a 4-minute Instagram clip kind of like going over what happened and that he's injured. Um and I'm wondering if the Legion response being so beyond the pale was like Obviously, they're upset about the rider crashing, but I wonder if there's an added stressor there because they did use resources to send two guys over to help defend that. So I wonder if there was that ac- that added frustration that they've spent this extra money that is now no longer, you know, like, that's yeah. be- essentially being wasted because now Robin's not there to defend the lead. Um, right. I-, I don't know. So
0: yeah, it's because- just
1: it's weird
0: i could see that being a compounding factor for sure um so that that put a little bit of a stain uh on the finish for that day um to sort of close out speed week i want to move to like the the overall results and uh talk about uh you know what what we had some kind of like overall stories and stuff um Travieso got a win on the final day. Um, he was looking good all week. He bridged, yep. bridged to several moves consistently near the front. Um, Brock Mason, even with his relegation, managed a sixth place overall. So he might have been even better, you know, if that re- relegation hadn't happened. Yep, really good ride for him. I was surprised to see that Gibbons was in the ten spot there because i mean he did have a fourth at athens but we didn't see a ton of him at the front of these races otherwise that that move in athens was kind of their one you know real strong real strong move um
1: yeah i think he's just such a good bike racer that he's able to even if he's not on the front at all he's able to kind of slot in and get these like sneaky top tens and stuff that were able to get him there that, that's my theory on it because yeah there's no other explanation because they weren't super on the front the rest of the week
0: yeah di- didn't see a ton of them they, they did say that they were kind of trying things out there i yeah. think they're they've lost a couple i'm not sure if aldo is gonna be back but he was not there this week and yeah um ed veal was a big motor for them last year and i think he is Like, back with the squad, but he's coming off a big injury last year, so Mm -hmm. he was not there either. So, they were trying out a lot of new guys this week, I think, and just trying to, uh, you know, try some different tactics and see how how people were feeling in the race. Um, Yeah, I want to call out a few other, like, sneaky results. Uh, Andy Scarano, a guy we've raced with in the southeast from ngca he was 12th overall so pretty consistent got himself in a few moves throughout the course of the week and um there was one other one that i saw oh travis clayton from velocious sport got himself on a podium on that second weekend which was sure did he was consistently up there with no team at all so
1: there's like if you i mean there's so many little sneaky like like random guys who you're like oh He's like top twenty in the overall. That's cool. Um, but I guess like the main thing is that Butcher Box, like, for forty percent of the top ten are Butcher Box guys. Plus, you know, plus the win, uh, American Cycling and Miami Knights, each with two guys in the top five. Um, I mean, it's pretty clear to see who the strongest teams were just off of that. That um, Butcher Box, like we've talked about it earlier this episode, but just being so surprised with their ride all week. Um, didn't expect them to be that strong and to see them being so consistent and dominant was really cool to see. And like it was night. It was good to see that. Like, yeah, I see like a fresh team up there mixing it up with some of the, the big dogs.
0: Yeah. Um, this is our first kind of seeing Miami Knights. So on the men's side, Miami Knights had a full team, uh Denver disruptors on the men's side did not, so we we didn't see like the full n c l thing kind of going up against everybody else, but uh in my mind, the miami and a c g teams were pretty well matched, yeah, and Texas Roadhouse is also looking good i mean, I said it after the first n c l race happened, but Texas Roadhouse seemed to be the only like non n c l team that was starting to get their heads around uh how to race those and got themselves a win at this race i think this is going to be a good year for them but it's like that entire tier of teams they're all pretty competitive
1: yeah for sure there's like a solid like five or six teams that are right on the level and i'm excited for you know watching those teams at like a tulsa or i mean right i'm sure some of them will be at sunny king next weekend and seeing these teams continually going you know back and forth and battling the trains and you know, I think it's going to be fun to watch. We got five or six really, really strong teams.
0: And and we didn't even see... Uh, so we had Brandon Fury from... Uh, yep. From... I was going to say the wrong team. He was on Project <laughs> Echelon last year. He's on uh, Miami Blazers. Blazers. Yep. Not Miami Knights this year. He was kind of freelancing it out there and didn't see any big results from him. But I was consistently noticing him like in the mix there or thereabouts um no big presence from project echelon here and then i guess moving over to the other like big racing that we had over the weekend we had tour of the gila which you know once again not not a ton of streaming and coverage there were some good write-ups from there but there was a
1: stream but it was so hard to find for gila
0: for all of it or for just the crit (sighs)
1: that's a good question
0: I think, I, think I, I
1: think for all of it, it was, it was all like a weird. It was like one of those when you find a live stream and it's like a local news site streaming it. Like, right? It was such a weird thing. I want to yeah. say there was a stream for all of them. I could be wrong.
0: Sure. Well, you know, forgive us because we were yeah. doing Speed Week stuff all week, like physically, and it takes a lot of the day to drive <laughs> through Atlanta traffic and right. do the race and then watch a race and all. You know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on for us, but I was trying to keep up with it from a distance. And uh, Team Medellin was down there. So Medellin last year was at Speed Week. This year they opted to go to Hilo, which makes a little bit more sense. It's kind of a shame that these were overlapping a little bit, but yeah, there were enough teams to fill out both. Um Superman Lopez, who we've talked about, you know, we were theorizing that we might see Lopez at some some crits this year, which would be insane. We did not see him in any crits so far. Uh, he did win stage one of Gila and then got crashed out on stage two. Speaking of like huge crash drama, there was a big crash on stage two that took a lot of people out, including him. It apparently took out like 40 people, a, a large percentage of the Peloton, which is Jeez. a huge bummer. Uh, we all got to stop crashing so much. <laughs> um For real that that was kind of one of my big goals was just to get some races under my belt and make it through clean which i did so i felt pretty good about that uh yeah. for my own results but i would
1: say for the most part our like 2 3 races were pretty clean like there was yeah. a couple small like that's normal but there was not like a big crash which i'll i'll take
0: yeah and it was mostly people just pedaling through a corner and clipping a pedal and they would just slide yeah. out on their own um I hope that everyone, you know, like we've all, I've done it. I I think you do it one time and you kind of learn where that limit is. Hopefully you just got to remember like uh, what you can and can't pedal through. But at the higher level, it's, it's seeming like a pretty crash intensive year. And I'm wondering if some of that is because there aren't teams that are just like a level above that can set a pace where everyone else is just holding on. Like when it comes to the finish, there are multiple squads that are comparably matched so that limited real estate at the front of the race is being fought for by a larger number of of guys that's all yeah. i can come up with it seems to be true though
1: yeah i think i think that's it and plus those teams that are really strong are now starting to get paychecks yep yeah. so like once you factor in okay you know we're all super strong fighting for the front oh and my paycheck is on the line and I'm going to get a bonus for winning this race. Yeah. That adds to the, the risk willingness factor yeah. there. And so I think we're just until things kind of settle in and we sort of like people start, okay, coming to terms with however it needs to happen. We're going to see it a little more, a little more crashing.
0: Yeah. There's no, uh, there's no established pecking order yet this year. And that may be yeah. kind of, uh, contributing to the problem. A couple of interesting things from Gila though. Uh Oscar Sevilla, who's a forty-six, won the the big stage, the Gila Monster stage, which is Jeez. like hundred miles with like ten thousand feet of climbing. um on that last day. And then Above and Beyond Cancer, a team that I've been aware of for a while, uh, they got the overall win with Alex Hone, so That is a big win for them, especially with squads like Project Echelon in the mix. I assume the reason we didn't see much of Project Echelon at Speed Week is that they were over at Gila, and I would have put my money on them for the win at Gila. And ironically, the only thing at Gila that they won was the crit with Cade Bickmore. So (laughs) they didn't go to Speed Week, and then the only thing they won was a crit.
1: Kind Kind of strange. Uh, like they're they're the big stage race team in America, and it's it's just kind of funny that they won the crit. But Cade Bickmore is coming from Texas Roadhouse, so kind of makes sense for him to win the crit. But still, um, just kind of bizarre.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, one of the only like big stage races that's still happening. So that's just I. It's it's
1: one of the few UCI stage races left in North America. So, you know, for this what is, it's worth.
0: Yeah. This is another thing I was going to say coming off of. um, Coming off of Speed Week is I think this is the first year that being a UCI team just doesn't matter at all anymore. Um, I think like yeah. Skyline was one of the only UCI teams at Speed Week and like they just got absolutely demolished.
1: Yeah, there's. Um, there, I do know that Legion did renew their UCI license, by the way. So, I do know that for sure. So, there's a couple, but I don't... Yeah, in America, it doesn't really matter.
0: There, There's very little... This is like the least um, division we've seen between... It, it's like who's willing to pay for it. And interestingly, the teams that are willing to pay for it this year are not necessarily the teams that also have the most budget. I think... Yeah, it's interesting that with with all of these new crit series, um, American Crit Cup, uh, NCL, and then another one we're going to get to in a second, maybe popping up. Well, a lot of the biggest races are not UCI races, so I think a lot of teams, and this is what I've heard, I think about like automatic. They made a conscious decision to be like, we're not going to pay that money to re up our UCI license. We're going to dedicate that money to traveling to races that we might not have gone to that are not uci races in many cases so we don't need the license freeze up some budget it makes sense
1: yeah i agree especially like you're a team that's going to be only racing in north america most north americans especially like united states of america like they don't care we don't have enough uci racing for it to matter and the uci racing we do have people for whatever reason, don't pay as much attention to. Um, So if you're an America-only team, you're only racing in America, I don't think it makes a ton of sense for you to have a UCI license.
0: Yeah, if we were comparing just like the total number of clicks and eyeballs that, that Athens got and Speed Week as a whole got versus Gila, I would imagine that more people are aware of the results and the storylines of Athens and of Speedweek than of Gila. That's yep. just my guess, but I, that's kind of where I think things stand right now. Not necessarily saying that's how it should be, although you know I love Speedweek, I love Athens, but that just is what it is, and I think teams are making that that calculation correctly. Now, I mentioned another Crit series. Um, we said last time that CRT wasn't happening. The um, Legion, sort of the extension of Into the Lion's Den, and that was based on teams that we had talked to that were supposed to be part of it. Were kind of going through the motions of getting it up and running, and then they said in February it just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. So they all kind of took it off their schedule because they quit hearing anything about it. And then after we dropped that episode, this announcement went up on Cycling News and Fellow News, all the other um outlets that basically there is a new league coming from uh justin williams legion of los angeles it's called crit circuit racing international tour but there kind of aren't any other um details here like i i read through this whole thing and i read through essentially the same press release turned into an article on a couple of different um A couple of different sites and there are no dates there are no you know not even a cities or teams or just like there will be races at some point maybe this year maybe not um yeah they're from legion they're called crit that's that's kind of all we got which
1: yeah i mean there's not much more we can super dive into at least on the surface of this but like Again, it's another crit series. Uh, if Legion's putting it on, I assume it's going to be flat four corner crits.
0: Um, probably have big prize money. Probably, yeah. probably draw some other big. I mean, you know, at least three of the biggest teams are going to be there. I think that's part of their right. um, rationale for having Legion of L.A., Austin Aviators, Miami Blazers. Is then they can they can half fill out a field just themselves. You know, true. Um, um yeah, I
1: imagine some big teams will be there. I'm excited to see, you know, what it develops into. Um if it's gonna be that if it's gonna look like CRT with like six weeks or eight weeks all back to back to back, or if it's gonna be more spread out and more intentional, um, what cities they might choose to host. I assume it'll right. probably be kind of west coasty. Cause we the-
0: talked about an an initial calendar that we had seen that had been floating around Uh, with teams and with event organizers that kind of put that whole thing really late in the season. But I would be really surprised if they're going to try and pull that off this year. There's not a lot of time left in the year this year, huh?
1: I mean, there there's not, I mean, unless they're holding their cards really close to their chest and everything's all done and set in stone and we just don't know, but I, I don't, I just don't know. I don't,
0: I, I would be surprised. It does sound like if they're trying to get other teams involved, the teams that I've talked to even that were aware of it up to a point kind of wrote it off their schedule because it it fell off and it seemed like it wasn't happening. So then the day after that article comes out, an article comes out on Cycling Weekly uh, that's basically this guy Wasserman claiming that he was a part of this and that the idea was stolen from him so that he was like pitching this with uh Williams and had had started a company started an LLC to work on this with Williams and then kind of the prizes just stopped or the the meetings the communication just kind of stopped coming in about it in February which that correlates with what I've heard from teams about kind of when things went silent Um, you know, I'm not sure how much of this is... It sounds like this was a guy they were working with. I'm not sure how much of the idea you can say is stolen when the idea... Until we get more details, there may be more details that, you know, there's some kind of proprietary specific thing that has been lifted from, from his idea, but it sounds like just the idea is to have crits in major cities. And I... That's like less specific than a lot of the n c l stuff to me, you know, like yeah,
1: you can't own having crits in major cities right um, so that that's I one so c r t might have been the Wasser, Wasserman thing, and then when that kind of dissolved it that's when we heard, okay, it's not happening, so maybe that's that's sort of what that
0: whole deal was, and yeah, maybe that's what happened, and then. This latest article is just Justin trying to like plant a flag in the ground that, like, you know, that round fell through, but I'm still trying to do this, you know? Yeah. I,
1: I have a feeling that's sort of what this is. There's something in my gut saying that that's where that's what happened here.
0: But the lack of details, like extreme lack of details in that original um, article makes me think that there may be at, at a little bit of a reset point in terms of like what they're going to do with, with forming this league and getting it up and going. I have said before, and I'm going to continue to be on this train that like, I don't love the idea of the league being owned by a specific person who is competing. Like, I don't have a problem with it being more of a franchise model where like all of the teams collectively own it or something, but yeah, in this model where like kind of Legion or someone from Legion is sort of the boss or the owner or the main impetus for the thing happening. Uh, it just, uh, you know, it sets up like it would be weird if Tom Brady owned the NFL, you know what I'm saying? And, right. and was still quarterbacking. Like, that's what right. I keep coming back to. And I mean, I feel like
1: I don't like if Justin Williams is going to own this, I'm, I don't have an issue. Justin Williams owning this. I just have an issue with him
0: owning it, owning three teams in it, and also racing. Right. And I think his, maybe what he's trying to get to, I've speculated about this before, is I think what they're maybe trying to get to is a point where they own all of the teams, and maybe they're not even racing anymore, like Justin and Corey. Yeah, yeah which would make sense but it's like that in in between and i think that's what ncl is trying to get to as well is a point where like all of their teams are in house um yeah but i mean you saw it with with lions den they won their own race and we're seeing it with ncl so far like the endemic teams are winning the ncl races uh it it's just a weird i'm not saying they're like rigged or anything but it sets up an incentive structure where it's like you know you're our teams these are our races we can formulate them in a way that that works for you or even just like these teams take them the most seriously it just doesn't make it like the most competitive even field or something there's yeah there's like a non-competitive kind of like feel to that you know
1: yeah like you can make the rules to favor you right like Right. You can make them all flat four corner crits, and you can make them, you know, set up X, Y, X, y and Z, and you can s- not change the rules, but just set yourself up in an environment to where you're more likely to win.
0: Right. I guess my point is not that they are even doing that. My point is that you could, and the fact that you could yeah. is is a problem. I agree. More yeah. more than anything else. Um. So we'll see what even happens with that. That may not be something I know they were planning to try and do it this year. I I don't think we're going to see it this year. It would be a real stretch. And if they, if it does happen, it's going to be in cyclocross season and I'm going to be paying attention to cyclocross. So
1: (laughs) that's a big thumbs down for you.
0: Yeah. That's, that's (laughs) a no go for me. There is one more like fun thing we want to cover before we get out of here for this week, which is, uh, Matteo Jorgensen coming through with some big results over in Europe. Yeah
1: yeah uh huge um one of the main uh grand tour prep races like if you're going to the tour de france you usually do tour of romandy um or like you know it's just a grand tour prep stage race really mateo jorgensen coming out with the young riders jersey for the whole week um and getting second overall on the gc uh to adam yates like egan bernal was in the field um Damiano
0: Caruso. Yeah, we've talked a lot about, you know, American riders being able to go to that level. And it's interesting seeing riders like Oscar Sevilla coming over to America and racing and Superman Lopez racing in America. You know, the there's like, there's something to be said for the fact that we have racing where you don't have to go to Europe anymore. But also we do want to see the young talent that is, Geared, like, physiologically for that European racing, being able to make the jump. Um, yeah. We saw some some of the EF kids, uh, Enzo, Enzo hincappy some of the other EF kids. We had a um, a gorgeous George sighting at um, Athens. He was out there. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. The EF kids are kind of poised for, for that European trajectory. Um, like, someone from Birmingham, Riley Oberding, is currently riding and racing in Girona on that on the u.s national team but he's on that ef junior onto team you know
0: yeah that seems to be a good pathway uh for them i was actually interested to see i think some of it is just that those uh i think they were only at athens and spartanburg which are the biggest ones but i think that was just a thing of like there are some really big bike races with national and international fields close to us but that team is not as focused on um like domestic American crit racing, they're kind of more focused on stage racing and, and getting overseas and stuff. But well, I mean,
1: even in um, like during the week, Julian Rue, uh, who was, who won two of our two, three races were, he was, I think if he didn't win, like he was on in racing tour junior tour of Ireland. So like, so DDP sent some kids to tour of Ireland and like, So, I mean, you know, they're like, that's the kind of talent that we're seeing at some of these, you know, big crits, Um, kids that are going to Ireland and Belgium and, you know, France.
0: I'm going to say that's like the hopeful note I want to end on this week, I guess is (laughs) I did notice that this was like the, the youngest year. And maybe it's just that I'm getting older, but this was the year that like I felt old at, at speed week and at twilight, like, all of the fields, it seemed like, were generally average age, much younger. All right. So, yeah, on that note, a lot of great young talent we hope to see continuing to come up as we get old. Um, <laughs> You got anything else for this week, Ben?
1: No, that's it. Uh, Next episode, you know, we'll talk about Sonny King a little bit, sort of get into some of the the more spread out stuff, as this has sort of been like the peak of the Southeast crit season. Um yeah. And then we'll get more yeah, of Yeah, we're not
0: even done yet. No, we got no. we will be out at Sunny King this weekend too. Yeah, so we if you're will. at Sunny King, say what's up. We'll be racing the two three and then uh hanging out watching the pro race. Yeah. But yeah, we'll definitely have plenty more stuff for next time. Yeah. Uh see Make you guys. Then. Su- wait.
1: Make sure oh. to like, subscribe, follow, yeah. comment. Absolutely. All of that. All of that uh all that stuff, please.
0: Yes. Yes, thank you. See you guys next time. Peace. Thanks.